I'm going to ask that you would just go ahead and just put your hands out like this and close your eyes as you're in the presence of the Lord. I am pleased with your reception of the leading that I have given you as a church body. The Lord would say to you that you have taken my word and have understood my direction. You have moved into a realm that you have never set before. You may have done it before, but you've never set it in your spirit of this maturity. Because of the maturity, which is not that you are better than anyone else, because you have made a decision to think, speak, and live my precepts, my promises, I charge you today to step up in your faith level of receiving from me. Today I am moving into a new realm in your life, in your homes, in your businesses, and your jobs. Today I am stepping into your life in a greater way because you have invited me by your faith-filled words. Today you will begin to see a new realm in your life, a new anointing in your life that you have been seeking for, and to some of you, you've been seeking something really you did not understand. But that's okay because I am your father. And my passion for you is great. I see your heart. I see the passion that you have for who I am. And today, I say to you again that I am overjoyed by your actions and by your speech and most intimately, your heart. Today, I rush to your need. I rush to your prosperity. I rush to your healing. And I move to you because you are my sons and daughters. Father, I thank you by your Holy Spirit speaking to us, giving us revelation of what you are doing in the spirit realm. Father, today, let us see your goodness in such a way in such a way that it overwhelms us with that perfect peace. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. What you heard there is in Scripture, prophetic, a word of knowledge, impartation of a part of what God is doing in your life. And also you heard word of wisdom. You heard three aspects of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and how that the Holy Spirit moves and rules your life and in mine. Tendency of church is because it is spirit is for our flesh to get so excited that it overrules what the spirit man has received. And so I, I want you to recognize 
to, to be excited at what God is doing, but really understand what God is doing. Really see what, where, whatever age you are at, that God is doing something new in you, and he's challenging you to receive what he has proclaimed over your life. We've been talking about crossing into covenant thinking. Crossing into covenant thinking. Last week I had a question from someone, and, and when I used the terminology crossing into covenant thinking, they were asking me if it was that, that spiritual thing where people cross over and they listen to spirit things. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're bottom line saying we're changing the way we think because of covenant. Covenant is a relationship. Covenant is a relationship that God has set apart, that God planned. It is a perfect plan that God set up for you and me, that we may have that relationship and that fellowship with him and praise the Lord. The fruit of that then begins to flow in our relationships with one another. Today we want to talk about God seeing who he really is. How many of you know that statement that we make? And and basically, it is a covenant statement, but I think it's been stated by so many that do not understand covenant that it has no power in itself. The statement I'm talking about, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. There's much truth. That is a covenant proclamation. But do we really know what that means? Do we really understand what we are saying when we say that God is good? So this morning, I want us to see how good our God really is. Pastor, you did a series on the goodness of God. Yes, I did. But how many of you understand that we need to go over some things more than once to really get what God is saying to us? This morning, I want us to see his goodness, but also understand that there can be things that keep us from seeing that goodness. There can be things uh, from the outside and even in our own thinking to keep us from seeing the presence and the manifestation of God's goodness in our life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you to press into those things that filter true revelation of God. I, I, wanna, I want you to press into those where you understand the difference between something we say and covenant proclamation that brings a hundredfold in return. Psalm 86, 5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Can anyone say amen to that? Psalm 31 says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. The Bible not only says God is good, but it tells us how great is his goodness. 
There's a difference between many saying God is good than understanding how great his goodness is. Psalm 33, verse 5. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Let me tell you how great God's goodness is. The entire earth is full of the goodness of God, whether you see it or not or even perceive it. That God's goodness is everywhere. It says, you will never go to a place on this earth that isn't full of that goodness. God's goodness is great. The presence of God, and in God's presence, is the goodness of God. Because God is good. And God's goodness is great. But let me now give you a direction so that you can begin to see when you begin to proclaim the, the statement, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. That you begin to really utilize that statement, which is true, and allow that proclamation to bring fruit instead of a nice saying. This other direction the Bible tells us God is good, but the Bible also clearly states as a human being, we are not good. And when we are proclaiming that God is good all the time, we must measure our goodness in comparison to his goodness. Naturally, we do not have goodness resonate in us. Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 16 and 17, Now behold, see or perceive, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Other translations in the real translation, Rabbi, Pastor, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life speaking to Jesus? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Now Jesus clearly tells him, don't go around calling people good because only one is good, and that's God. Now, let me just show you this. Hang on with me. Don't get offended with me. Don't get defensive. You know, don't, don't get cocky. Just whatever. I can stand here for five more minutes. Just don't. Because I want you to hear this because it's going to explode in your spirit in the reality of this covenant thinking is when you are living your life hidden in Christ in this covenant the goodness of God overwhelms you in everything you touch. But we have to understand how great that goodness is. The reason Jesus corrects this young man is not because Jesus isn't good and isn't God. 
It's because this young man does not address Jesus as Lord or Messiah. He addresses him as rabbi or basically pastor. Jesus would have accepted the good title if he addressed him as Lord or God. See, even Jesus in this, this, this passage was trying to teach us the difference between the goodness of God and the goodness of man. Jesus would have accepted the good title, but he didn't address him as God. He addressed him as one that stands alongside or human. Only one person in the universe that is good, and he is God. Romans 3.12 says, They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Romans 7.18, Paul says about himself, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Speaking in him. Now, it it even takes a worse turn in the scripture, and Jesus says this. And I don't like this statement. Yeah, I do, because I understand it. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is speaking of covenant. This is speaking of a relationship, a God who is perfect, who is mighty, who is all good, who is great, has decided to have a relationship with you. You had nothing to give to him He gave all of him to you. In me, you cannot find nothing good. Because good is God. And I'm not God, and you're not God. Can you imagine the disciples when he said this? Can you imagine their thoughts? What? Because they've been following Jesus. And they're standing there, and he really just basically slammed them all. No, he didn't. He's talking covenant. He's talking about the reality of how amazing our salvation is, how amazing this relationship and what we have in this relationship with our God. The question, why is all this said? The answer is this. God doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to himself. The best person on the face of this earth is evil in comparison to God. Now, you got to follow this because when we have a tendency to be defensive or be offended, 
We're not really understanding relationship. We're not understanding what the blood of Jesus Christ has done. This covenant that was cut for us, a relationship with God, what it does for you and me, it's so powerful and it's so real. It brings the goodness of God through us. Here's the real problem with this truth. The unofficial religion that you see running rampant today in the news, in our schools, in our workplaces, the unofficial religion in the United States of America is secular humanism. Secular humanism teaches this, that man is naturally good. Humanism teaches us that man is the measure of all things, and we don't need God, we can save ourselves. Social justice is a good thing. But when you compare it to the justice of God, it's evil. When you begin to walk around and see what mankind has done, all the medals, all the trophies, all the things that man gets, they are measuring it from one person to another. And Scripture tells us that all men, in of themselves, humans, are not good. Jesus said, let me say this. Remember the Tower of Babel. Remember how they, the bunch of people got together to build a tower to heaven, and what they desired to do is basically replace God through their human genius. And you know what's amazing? Scripture tells us that if God had not intervened, they would have accomplished their task. Because in man, when you lose God, you become in yourselves a thinking of that you are God, that you are the one that can change, you are the one that can change the world. The only one that can change the world is God. And he uses you to do it. But you have to understand to be able to accomplish that, to be able to do those things, to be able to forgive, to be able to to, uh, accomplish the purposes of God, to be able to go and help others, to be able to go and feed the poor, to be able to go and help the poor, and to go out on the mission field, that you understand that there's only one good, and he is God. And when you recognize that, then God can show you in reality of truth how to change the world, and it will be through his goodness, but it has to be understanding that God is good. And no man in of himself is. Are you still with me? Jesus said, regardless of how we want to deceive ourselves, we are not good. There is nothing good naturally. 
Now I know what you're thinking, me too. Pastor, are you saying we cannot be good? I am saying, yes, we can be good. So let me tell you how and why covenant thinking is vital so you walk in that goodness. We can be good by admitting that we are not. And be full of the Holy Spirit because it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is goodness. That's why Galatians 5 says, I can be a good person if I let God live through me by relying on the Holy Spirit. That's that relationship. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit is in you to help you to walk in this covenant reality by having covenant thinking, covenant speech, and covenant action, whereby the goodness of God flows through you and you change your world that you're around. Because you have the ability to do that with God and have no ability to accomplish it without God. None. No, not one. Hmm. Let's go a step further. We're going to be on this for a couple weeks. We are trying to understand this covenant God because not many understand covenant. We're trying to understand this goodness thing, seeing God who he really is. Genesis 1, 27. We had covered this, but I want to just add some more here. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So God put his image on male and female. We're all equal. Stop fighting for equality. We're all equal. You walk in covenant thinking, no matter what man, that man in of himself is not good, and they will not treat you equal, even though laws say that. Because in man, if they go by man's thinking, they will always want to rise up and be God. And they will not treat you equal, whether you're male or female, whether you have the same pay or not. And we have to get to a place in our life that we are not led by world thinking. We are led by God thinking. We are led by the Holy Spirit. We're led by the principles of the Word of God. And when we're led by the principles of the Word of God, then we will begin to see the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit will begin to move in us, understanding that the image of God is in us and there for us to live out. Verse 28 says, he says, I put my image on you, now be fruitful and multiply. So again, here's here's what we've talked about before. God's plan or system was this. God put the image of himself in male and female. How many of you are male? 
How many of you female? Okay. Male and female. Okay. When male and female covenant together in marriage and bear children, they then are to be the image bearer of God to their children. The system and the plan is perfect. Parenting the home is perfect. What happened? We'll find out in a little bit. The plan is perfect. The system is perfect, but oops. The problem is mankind fell in Genesis 3 and marred the image of God, didn't mar God, marred the image of God in male and female. Listen closely. God didn't change the system because of that. The plan and system is perfect. God created male and female. Male and female get together in covenant. They bear children, and they are to be the image bearers of who God is, the goodness of God. How does the goodness of God manifest? As you become born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You begin to understand who this covenant God is. And because you understand the covenant God, you begin to live out goodness. And what is good? So the most influential on you regarding the image of God are your parents. Sorry, Ryan and Jill. Your parents may have been the best, but because of the fall, they are evil compared to God. Don't get mad at me. This is, this is what God said. And we need to understand, in covenant relationship, it separates the chaff and the wheat. It separates the, the, the stuff that's cloudy, and it brings truth and the glory of God in your life when you understand and you think covenant. You begin to walk. You heard Pastor Dan. You heard Pastor Terry. You heard Pastor Ryan and, and the team in worship. The words that were being said about the goodness of God. It is a reality, church. You can do all things with him because you understand covenants. You win. You succeed. You overcome. You walk in health. Because the blood of Jesus removed evil from you. Whew. Pastor, you're getting real here. You're getting deep here. Yeah, I am. Because church, I want you to understand. I want you to recognize how special you are in the kingdom of God. You're a son and daughter of good. Let's read that statement again. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. The statement makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? 
Sometimes we can make things that are spiritual unspiritual. If you had bad parents, if you had no parents, if you've had abusive parents, whatever your parents did right, you naturally attribute to God, and whatever your parents did wrong, you naturally attribute to God. So this is so important. We need to honor our parents, and if it's needed, forgive them. Because God didn't change the plan, and the plan's perfect. They have maybe totally messed it up. But God's plan is perfect. You dishonor your parents. I'm going to be very straight. I'm going to act like I'm teaching a youth camp. Even if your parents, parents, when you were younger, acted like idiots, had no clue of life, you need to honor what God established as the plan and perfect. If you dishonor that, it will not be well and you will not have long life. Too many youth pastors don't teach like this. And too many young people have been raised in, a, in situations and everywhere they go, on their phone, at school, with their friends, they teach dishonor. And because they teach dishonor, the struggle and the problems that you have today as young people is attributed to you not understanding covenant, that you absolutely serve a wonderful, loving God. And the plan that he planned is good because nothing comes out of God that's not good. It is evil man that has perverted it. Now, I know some of you don't need help, but the purpose of this message is not to get you upset with your parents. I want you to understand here's the purpose of this message. There is a direct connection between our concept of God and the image bearers in our lives. We need to see our God for who he really is to understand and flourish in our covenant relationship with Father God. And that is my plan, that is my purpose of this message, is to break you through into an absolute love of the concept of parenthood, the concept of the home. Every aspect of that is beautiful and it's wonderful. The reason why we pervert it, the reason why, you know, we, we you know, have to have sex at 12, the reason why we have, well, you know, God just did it. No, because evil man does not see the goodness of sexual relationships that are in covenant relationships, marriage. Because we do not live our lives based upon covenant, we walk in sin and we have problems. 
Now, this doesn't say that, that man or church, and we shouldn't, stand there and point our fingers at people and say, you are wrong, you sinner. No, the reality is we need to not point our fingers, but we need to hold our hands out and say, here, come here, let me show you the truth and how much God loves you. And no matter where you've been, what you've done in your past or present or future, thank you, Pastor Dan, is that you can be forgiven and you can walk in a changed life and have transformed life and you can be victorious in every area of your life. Your future is good. Why? Because there's only one good and he is God. And if you understand this relationship, you understand the conviction of this relationship, covenant relationship, then you will live a life that is full full of goodness. My point is you and I need a direct, a direct revelation of God. We need a direct revelation of God. We need to be able to go around all humans that have not shown us goodness the way it really is and get it directly from God. <laughs> oh, church. I see a lot of young people here. And I just want to tell you, your pastor loves you. And I believe in you. And what I'm teaching here is specifically stated that you would understand how amazing you are in the kingdom of God. No matter where you've been, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in your life today, your God is a good God, and his goodness wants to flourish in your life. Turn to him. Turn to his ways. Reach out and grab this relationship. You have a father God who is reaching out to hug you, to wrap himself around you, to protect you, to lead you, to guide you, to help you, to prosper you, to heal you, to do all those things. But you have to reach out in this relationship and hug him back. How do you hug him back? By walking in the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> to all us older people, for us too, isn't it? Let's look at Exodus 33. We're gonna pick up the story of Moses and the children of Israel, and they're in the rough spot of their lives. God has delivered them from Egypt, and they're not getting along with God at all. <laughs> Same thing today. Children of God don't like church. They don't want to be in church. They want to be out with their buddies. <laughs> Exodus 33, verse 3 through 5. It says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> I, I love the scripture. I just, I laugh a lot of times in how he speaks of different things. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his, his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. 
I could come up into your midst in the mo- one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. See, the bad news is this. God called Moses to be the deliverer of Israel. From the time that God called Moses to be leader, deliverer of Israel, God and Moses fought from the day they met. Really? Yeah. You ever read the story of Moses? Don't watch the Hollywood Moses. That's just, yeah. Exodus 4.14 says, right after he is appointed by God, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Ten verses later, and it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him, Moses, and sought to kill him. <laughs> Great friendship. And the reason was, we know, and we've taught this, is because Moses would not circumcise the male and say, oh, well, that's terrible, you know, and how could he do that? And like his wife, who was of another religion, how could you cut on? Because it was a covenant. It is a relationship. If you will follow what God has asked you to do, everything that God has promised is yours. God and Moses just fought all through the process of Moses being the deliverer. Watch this. Even though God heard Israel's prayer, they were in Egypt 400 years. Did you know that? That God heard the prayer, and they were in Egypt for another 400 years. Exodus 16.3, right after they got in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Exodus 17.3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? See, God was going to do a miracle and bring water out of a rock. <laughs> the rock that followed them, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, says it was Christ. And what what God said, I have a plan and it's perfect. I have set a covenant with you and it is perfect. Why are you complaining? Why are you murmuring? Why are you not accepting what I have asked you to be and to do? And that's why in the story at the beginning when Jesus said, why do you call me good? So the children of Israel just, if Israel just nagged and nagged and nagged God the whole time. Moses is fighting with God, so in Exodus 33, the story goes that God says, I am tired of you complaining. I am going to step back with my intimacy. It's exactly what Scripture says. Because if I stayed close, I'd kill someone. I will be faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and take you into the promised land anyways. Why? Because God is good. Why would Moses have such difficulty with God? I mean, wouldn't you just think God's pretty cool if you took a a rod and just worshipped him for a second and the Red Sea parted? 
I mean, wouldn't you just like, oh, this is pretty cool. Wouldn't you just like it when you stick a, a, a stick in the ground and, and put an image on the top of it and anybody that was sick, they could look at that and they'd be healed instantaneously? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? I mean, you'd be, you'd be the rooster of the whole pen, you know, just walking around, that's cool, Right? You'd be the person that just, wow, why in the world was Moses the way he was? Who was Moses' image bearer? His father, who was Pharaoh. Pharaoh would make ISIL look like a church choir. Pharaoh tried to kill Moses twice, his own son. The ten plagues were against Egypt gods. Moses was raised to worship gods. Every god of Egypt was an impersonal god. If you did not please them, they were mad at you. So Moses was raised that every time you didn't do right, someone was mad at you. So every time that the father would tell him to do something, Moses would start doing it thinking that God would be mad at him. That's how Moses was raised to look at God. So Israel, who had no form of worship, and the only, they only knew basically Pharaoh's whip because they'd been in captivity all this time, Everything they experienced of Judaism was in slavery. And before you came to Christ, everything you experienced was in slavery to sin. Was in slavery to someone's mad at you. Was in slavery to so you did something wrong. Was in slavery to, to an essence of sickness and disease. Whatever the world offers is yours. That someone needs to be your hero. And no one came to be your hero. So you went and watched the movies to feel better about it. Batman, Superman. It is a deception of the enemy to keep you out of understanding this covenant relationship. That you serve a God that is so good his goodness is great. And there's no other that is good in their flesh. Not one of them had a concept of a personal God. Huh. Have you ever asked yourself a question when Joshua went out and he saw Jesus pre-incarnate. And he says, are you for us, Israel, or are you for the enemy? And Jesus said, neither. Raised in slavery. Can you imagine what Joshua felt. Now, 
If you will go and you'll read the story of Joshua, when it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And he said, now you go, and as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Covenant, 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 covenant. I will do this, I will do this, I will, because I am the only one that is good. Stop expressing yourself, stop living your life based upon man's goodness, but understand, I am the only true God, and I will do that for you. I will help you. I will change the situation in your home if you will only believe that it's my way that will do it. So that's what God is saying to you and me. That's what the Holy Spirit is wanting. He is saying, as I was with Paul, as I am with Peter, as I was with, I am with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. I will be with you always. If you will walk in this, I will tell you, you will receive the abundance and the prosperity of my goodness. That's the God that you and I serve. No concept of a God that loves you, helps you, and provides for you. Many have. The number one reason we resist God is really we don't understand who he really is. I serve a loving, compassionate father who loves his Son, Gary, who is always there for him, who expects his son to walk in his goodness. It is a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And it's the blood, the cut of the covenant that has given me the ability to do that, and you too. Church family, never give up on this. The reason why people quit, because they don't understand it. The reason why people don't want to know Christ, don't want to accept Christ, is because we are asking them to serve the image of God that they experience in their human life. And much of it was not good. We're asking people to choose without understanding a God who has been expressed to them by their parents. That is unforgiving that is uncaring in many instances, that's mad because you've done something wrong. And we serve a God that is mad at times not because he doesn't love you, doesn't want to care for you. He's mad because the enemy has blinded and deceived you into believing something that's not true. You are a child of God. All good things come from the Father above. Why? Because only he is good. Let's all stand.
You are here.